Hello and welcome to the Steve Poos Benson Podcast. It's great to come to you here today on a beautiful spring day. Man, the leaves are budding out in the trees. The tulips are up out of the ground. The crocuses are purple. I mean to tell you, it is a beautiful spring day. But I want to talk with you today about something a little bit darker on my mind, and that is spiritual abuse. This is episode 23, episode 23, and I want to talk about overcoming spiritual abuse. You know, spiritual abuse abuse is something that I have to deal with uh, a lot in my work. A lot of people end up coming to Columbine United Church because they're recovering uh, from something. They're recovering Catholics, they're recovering evangelicals, they're recovering fundamentalists, and they have come to Columbine as a way to heal their soul and to find out a new way of being so that I have helped many people find a new way of being in a relationship with God and overcoming what I call spiritual abuse. Have you ever had your soul abused by somebody? Um, some of you maybe are sitting there going and going, what? What is he talking about, brother? Others of you know exactly where I'm coming from because you have had your soul pushed around and beat up by somebody, uh, by a person, a leader, a spiritual leader, or maybe a church or a denomination. And I'm here to tell you that you do not have to suffer from spiritual abuse, that there is a great and wonderful way you can be in a relationship with God. And I want to uh, discover and explore that with you. This is going to be about a um, a four-episode series on spiritual abuse. I'm going to open up with here my conversation today. Uh, The next episode, I'm going to share with you an interview that I had with uh, Susie Burke. Susie was born and raised in a satanic cult. And then I have two other interviews I'm going to do with people who were raised in fundamentalist, evangelical, and then hopefully in a Mormon community as well to help you understand some of the other dimensions of spiritual abuse. So let's begin. First of all, I want to talk with you about my own story. Maybe some of you have uh, heard my story, but let me uh, share with you yet again. You know, for me, spiritual abuse happened when I was in the seventh grade. And in the seventh grade, I was part of a a Trinity Presbyterian Church in San Diego. And I was introduced to the notion in my junior high Sunday school class that my soul needed to be saved. You know, at that age, I was even surprised that I had such a thing as a soul. It was kind of a, a fuzzy idea for me. I had no idea. But that Sunday school that I attended kept on insisting that my soul needed to be saved. I'll never forget one time we were taken up on a mountain retreat in the Cuyamaca Mountains outside of San Diego. All the junior hires and high school kids were gathered together in a uh, room, and someone flashed on the screen in front of us a picture with uh, two cliffs. The cliffs were uh, separated by a deep chasm. There was fire burning in the bottom of the chasm. You know, if we didn't have our soul saved, they said that our souls would fall off the cliff at the bottom into the fiery hell, and we would be burning there for all of eternity. I remember when I heard that, I was kind of terrified about the whole thing there in the mountains, kind of in the dark alone. And if we didn't want our souls to burn in hell, what we needed to do was to admit our sin and accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior. And so, you know, for me, uh, I knew all about sin because I was a burgeoning junior higher. I thought about sex on a regular basis. And if this was sin, boy, I wanted to be forgiven for this. So, Uh, My hands shot up when they asked us to accept Jesus, and my fingers were crossed as hope against hope. I said the prayer, and my soul was saved. 
But it just wasn't on this retreat. The junior high youth group that I was a part of was continually taking us to large youth events uh, where there was a rock band, there would be a comedian, there would be flashing lights, and we'd get all hyped up uh, about this great event that we were at. And then uh, in would walk a keynote who would uh, talk. He would be very funny and very kind of charismatic and energetic. And the person would start talking for uh, talking about uh, spit it out talking to us about our about our sin and that our souls needed to be saved yet again. For if they weren't, our souls would go to hell. That was the theme. Our soul would go to hell. Uh, kind of a fear element that was brought into it. Here we were, a bunch of kids. We were all hyped up. But if we were afraid of our soul going to hell, then we needed to bow our heads and raise our hands and to accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. So if you had sinned, wanted your soul saved, raise your hand and your soul would be saved from hell. So as a junior higher, you know, I think about sex again and all of my sins, so my hand would shoot up. Uh, you know, I really didn't know what a soul was, but uh, whatever this thing was, I wanted it saved. So I mumbled the Jesus prayer that they flash on the screen again, and I knew that when my soul was saved again, until we went back, went to another youth rally. They wanted to make sure our teenage souls were saved. And the same thing would happen over and over again. We'd be taken to, uh, to rooms, we'd be taken to auditoriums, there'd be a big band, big music, light show, comedian, big speaker again, all trying to get us hyped up and ready and open to have our souls saved. Now, I look back upon this now as pure spiritual manipulation. It was manipulating a group of junior high school uh, and high school kids to get their souls, quote-unquote, saved. You know, adults were scaring impressionable teenagers and manipulating, manipulating them into a spiritual confession. Um, if there was sin that was being committed... It was being committed by these adults who were manipulating junior high and high school kids. You know, and mine wasn't an isolated event. You know, the more that I've talked with people over the years, there have been such things as uh, Youth for Christ, Young Life, Campus Life. Uh, many of them, they have uh, great intentions, but I think sometimes they fall into these categories of manipulating junior high and high schoolers to get their their uh, soul saved, if you will. You know, fortunately, many of you were raised in churches and in youth groups and maybe in campus life groups or young life groups where this concept was never introduced. Uh, however, the disturbing thing is that this is not a phenomenon of the churches of the 70s. It's been a long-storied part of Christianity that is still prevalent to, today in many churches in the in the Denver metro area, the U.S. and around the world. You know, they have this uh, turn or burn, baby, turn or burn, turn your life around or burn in hell. You know, I consider this type of thinking an anathema to Christianity. I think this is why many people have pushed away from Christianity in general, because they're, they're tired of being spiritually abused. They're tired. If this is what Christianity is all about, then they don't want to have anything to do with it, and so they walk away. And I want to present a different model. I want to present a model like what we do at Columbine United Church. Well, 
while instead of where instead of being spiritually abused, your soul can be nurtured and your spirituality is encouraged to grow and shape and develop. But let me ask a, a really important question. So what is spiritual abuse? You know, I believe here's my definition. Spiritual abuse is the manipulation and oppression of one's spirituality to support a religion, a religious leader, or a religious doctrine in the name of God or, or a divine entity. So let me back up. Let me say that again. Spiritual abuse is the manipulation and oppression of one's spirituality to support a religion, a religious leader, or, or a religious doctrine in the name of God or a divine entity. So it's all about manipulation and oppression. You know, just as there's physical abuse and sexual abuse and emotional abuse and verbal abuse, there is spiritual abuse, and it's just as powerful and damaging as the other forms of abuse. You know, so how do you know if you're being spiritually abused? You know, religion is about joy and peace and love and harmony. And each of the world's major religions at the core teach these things. But if you're in a religious system or a denomination or church or under the direction of someone who does not foster joy, peace, love, and harmony, then I can guarantee you you're being spiritually abused in some way, shape, or form. So here's some things to think about. If you're having to sacrifice things that you know to be true to accept a doctrine or belief of the organization, then you're being spiritually abused. In other words, if you have to turn off your brain in some way, shape, or form and set aside things that you know are true, and you have to set them aside to accept a doctrine or belief of the organization in order to be accepted, then I got to tell you, you're being spiritually abused. You know, if you're having uh, to accept a certain set of beliefs uh, to be welcomed and accepted in a religious community, again, you're being spiritually abused. If you're having to set aside your own thoughts and beliefs to accept something else to be accepted into the community, that's spiritually abuse. You know, if you cannot question, doubt, second-guess the religious leader who is leading the organization, and you're forced to accept their word as the final interpretation of a spiritual message, then you know what? You're being spiritually abused. And this is something to pay attention to because there are a lot of charismatic, uh, very charismatic religious leaders who kind of get off on the whole idea of being in charge and being in front and uh, having a bunch of people listen to, listen to everything that they have to say. And they don't want you to question, doubt, or second guess them. You know, and if that's the case, then you know what? You're being spiritually abused because uh, you should be able to doubt and second guess whoever's leading the organization. It's what I always say at Columbine. You know, I'm not giving you answers or, or things that you've got to believe in. I'm just sharing with you what I believe and my thoughts are. You have to come up with your own questions and your own answers. I want you to question me. I want you to doubt me. I want to second. I want you to second guess me. If I ever come across as being, you know, an or, or authoritarian, then you know what? You need to throw me out. I mean, you just need to get rid of me. You need to tar and feather me and run me out of the door of the church. And if I refuse to go, then you need to stand up and run the other way. It's all based upon 
upon being able to question, doubt, and second-guess the spiritual leader. If you're not doing that, you know what? You're being spiritually abused. Here's kind of an interesting thing. Uh, If you're in a faith community that forces you to dress a certain way or cut your hair a certain way, then you know what? You better be careful because you're being spiritually abused. And you, we kind of see this in a lot of different cults and sects around the United States and even around the world, that they force you to dress a very conservative way, a very... uh, a very strict way, a very austere way, and they force you to cut your hair a certain way, then you know what? I think that borders on being spiritually abused. It's so restrictive. You know, if you're part of a religious organization or if you have a religious leader that is teaching you to hate another group that is different than yours, or if you're forced to pray for them, to pray for their salvation, then you know what? You're being spiritually abused because really... uh, A spirituality should be about hope. It should be about love. It should be about compassion. If you're forced to pray for them because they are not saved and you are saved, then you know what? I think that's being uh, that borders on being spiritually abusive. It's spiritually abusive. You know, if you're in a organization where a religious leader teaches violence as a necessary means to achieve a divine goal, then you're being spiritually abused. I mean, that is going on all around our global society. People are teaching violence as a necessary means to achieve some type of divine goal. Fundamentalists of all different stripes are using this uh, throughout the world, excuse me, (coughs) but also throughout the Middle East, uh, Violence is a means to achieve some type of divine goal. You know, that's spiritually abusive. You know, if you're threatened with damnation, if you do not accept the teaching of a doctrine, a do- denomination, or a spiritual leader, and you're you're threatened that you're going to go to hell, then you know what? That's spiritually abusive. You know, if someone in power, it always comes down to the person in power is asking favors of you, either financially or sexually, if they're kind of using their charisma in some way, shape, or form to kind of suck you in and asking for either financial favors to float you alone or sexual favors to have an affair, then you know what? You're being spiritually abused. That is not tolerated in basically any one of the mainline denominations, especially the the Methodist, the Presbyterian, and the UCC that we're a part of. You know, People in power cannot use their personalities uh, as a way of eliciting uh, favors in some way, shape, or form from the people that uh, that go to their organization. You know, if you're a part of a religious organization or, if, again, there's leadership that need to approve of your friends and the people that you choose to hang out with, then you know what? You're being spiritually abused. You know, if the religious organization has to approve how you spend your money, then you know what? You're being spiritually abused. If the religious leadership organization teaches that violence uh, as a parenting style, then you know what? You're being spiritually abused. Uh, And not only spiritually abused, but they're teaching child abuse. Now, here's an extreme one. 
If you're called upon to sacrifice an animal in some way, I know that sounds shocking, but you know, it's there, it's out there. You need to know you're part of a cult, a dangerous cult, and you're being spiritually abused. If you're required to break away from family members and friends to adhere to the teachings of a charismatic leader or a community or a group, you're being spiritually abused. Now, look at the themes of everything that I've just talked about there. It has to do with people in authority, where there is some type of religious structure. And almost every time there is spiritual abuse of spiritual abuse, there is somebody in authority that is usually a charismatic individual who has maybe sometimes is highly educated or maybe sometimes it has zero education, but they claim the authority or the organization has placed them in authority and their word is it. What they say speaks for God. You know what? That's dangerous. That is very dangerous. You know, not to kind of shine uh, the Presbyterians and the Methodists and the UCCs and the Episcopalians and the Lutherans, you know, to become a, um, a minister in these denominations, it requires a ton of education, a ton of training. You have to go through so many different classes and uh, ed- education and ordination exams uh, and process to even get to the or- ordination that there's psychological testing, all different kinds of testing to try to weed out anybody who is in, who is makes the religion all about them. No, it's not all about them. It's about joy. It's about happiness. It's about love. It's about grace. It's about freedom. It's not about laws and retribution. It's not about violence. It's not about hell. It is about joy. And if they can't make it about joy, then you know what? Uh, You're in the wrong place. Uh, You're being spiritually abused, and it's time to get out. It's time to walk away. So uh, here's a question that I want to kind of turn to is, what do you do if you find yourself in the midst of a spiritually abusive community? So for me, what I just said, leave. You know, it's that that simple, um, but it's also that hard. You know, when have you made the decision to leave a spiritually abusive community, they're going to exert all kinds of pressure on you to keep you in the community. Uh, They say at the least that you'll be prayed for. You'll have visitation from the elders. You'll be threatened with damnation. Uh, Friends, even parents and siblings that are part of this religion community will shun you for your beliefs. There will be tremendous pressure on you to stay within the community. In the extreme, you will be threatened. You know, members of cults who uh, who leave talk about receiving death threats. You know, and I really kind of always believe there's a rule of thumb: the more pressure somebody exerts or the organization exerts upon you to stay within the community, is directly proportion to your need to leave. If they're putting a lot of uh, pressure on you to stay, then you need to get out. That is just a great rule of thumb that says you need to get out. Now, you, you, you might need to change your email. You might need to change your phone number. You might need to change your bank account. You might need to shut down your Facebook, your Twitter, or your Instagram feeds. You need to go to any length necessary But I've got to tell you, if you're being spiritually abused, you need to leave the organization. You need to surround yourself with healthy people outside of this community. You need to talk to friends. You need to talk to other pastors, priests, rabbis, imams, 
who have a healthy view of spirituality. You need to create a network of people that will walk with you on the journey, even though it might be terrifying to leave. I cannot urge you enough to get out. Stop going there. Stop listening. Stop fearing them. Quit worrying about going to hell, but leave. You know, so what does a spiritually healthy community look like? You know, for me, at its base, a healthy community fosters independent thinking. You'll be encouraged to draw your own conclusion and and beliefs. I've talked about that. You might be taught a doctrine or dogma, but your acceptance into this community is not based upon your allegiance to them. You know, um, what I try to do is, you know, I can teach you all about uh, doctrine and dogma and the history of them and how they brought us to where we are in the life of uh, life of the Christian faith. But I don't believe you have to accept them carte blanche to be uh, accepted into the faith community of Columbine United Church. You know, these things, the doctrines are the dogmas are there to wake you up to the teachings that will help you think for yourself. You know, A spiritually healthy community encourages you to doubt. I've said that before. Wander, expand your sense of self. A spiritually healthy community will invite people of all genders and orientations to participate in leadership. And that is a real rub. This is a real rub that I know that so many denominations uh, disagree with me on. But you know what? I got to tell you. If they don't invite all genders and orientations to participate in leadership as pastors, as council leaders, as presidents of organizations, then you know what? That's spiritual abuse. It's not healthy. You need to get out and go someplace that welcomes all people. A spiritually healthy community will build into its network protection for children, youth, and the elderly. You know, a spiritually healthy community revolves around uh, leadership. There's a kind of a revolving sense of leadership. People uh, signing on for one, two, and three-year cycles of, of leadership. This is, uh, allows for different people to participate. It keeps, you know, one or two people from locking in and, and uh, being the sole leaders of an organization for 10 or 15, 20 years, which, by the way, I've heard of over and over during my tenure as pastor where other churches, they have somebody who wants to be, you know, the head of the session of the church or head of the, the deaconship of the church. And they've, you know, and they main, they mandate that they're the ones who have to do it. No, that's not healthy at all. Healthy uh, de- congregations involve a, a kind of a, a revolving aspect of leadership. A spiritually healthy community does not tolerate violence of any kind. There is no bullying allowed in a spiritually healthy community. You know, a spiritually healthy healthy community reports all forms of physical abuse, sexual abuse, child abuse. It deals with emotional abuse. It doesn't allow verbal abuse in any way, shape, or form to be a part of the community. Um, if need be, it reports all these things to the necessary legal aspects of our society, to police, to social services. You know, it doesn't hold back. It is not afraid of reporting. You know, a spiritually healthy 
community will allow you to come and go without strict forms of attendance. You know, this is something, you know, that at Columbine, I mean, we take attendance. I mean, I can take attendance by, you know, looking out into the congregation and seeing who's sitting where in their, quote unquote, their assigned seats. And we also, you know, we pass a pad and we uh, ask you to sign in so we can mark your attendance. But but you, you know it's not strict. I don't mandate that you have to come to church every Sunday. You know you're allowed to come and go. You know as you choose. That's healthy. That's a spiritually healthy community. You know, here's kind of another one of an edge. Um, a spiritually healthy community will allow you to determine for yourself the appropriate amount of financial support to give to the community. You know, there's so many kind of churches out there that require the, you know, that you give 10% of your uh, gross income to the church. And I'm, you know, I kind of get that. They kind of grounded in, in scripture. Excuse me. And I kind of, I mean, I kind of see where they're coming from, but I think if they mandate it, you know what, that's spiritually abusive. I think that people need to uh, be allowed to develop for the self, to determine for themselves the amount of money that they're going to give to the organization. Uh, spiritually health community respects boundaries between people. Spiritually healthy community does not allow for autocratic, unbending, or authoritative interpretation from any one of its spiritual leaders. You know, I've uh, I've wrote that down in my notes in several points. It is the key thing: autocratic, unbending, authoritative interpretation. You know, a spiritually healthy community promotes education an accredited institution for its spiritual leaders. I mentioned that before, but I wanted to repeat that. You know, accredited institutions, not just Bible college or Bible seminaries, but accredited institutions. You know, a spiritually healthy community is one that will bring you everlasting peace and joy. You know, God doesn't want you to be the victim of spiritual abuse. Your soul doesn't need to be saved. Your soul is good just the way it is. Your soul does not need to be saved. If someone is putting so much effort on saving your soul like they did for me when I was a kid, you know what? You're being spiritually abused. Now let me shift uh, again. So we've talked about what is spiritual abuse. We've talked about what it means to participate in a spiritually healthy community. Here's kind of a, an interesting thing to think about is uh, what do you do if someone you love is in a spiritually abusive community? What do you do if you fear someone you love is in a cult? You know, there's a very few things that you should do. First of all, um, you should tell them straight up your feelings that they're involved in some type of cult, that this fundamentalist uh, church in some way, shape, or form, this fundamentalist organization that is uh, authoritative and autocratic, that it's spiritually abusive and you're afraid that it's some type of a cult or sect. They might be shocked by that, but you need to share your feelings. But then, don't push away. Don't push away from your child. Don't push away from your friend. Don't push away from your family member. And they need you uh, now more than ever before. So don't push away. You know, here's another one. Stay with them for the long haul. They might want to push you away. They might have leaders in this organization that are wanting them to break connections with them, you know, with you. I tell you, don't. Don't break connections. If you're ever going to get this person out of the cult, out of the sect, out of the spiritual abuse, you need to stay connected to them. 
You know, you need to learn all you can about this community and their beliefs. Do research, read websites, read any books or articles you can find about the group and its leaders. You know, the more that you can educate yourself about this organization, uh, the better. You know, here's another one. Ask your loved one to tell you all they can about their newfound community. Be curious. Uh, tell them to, them to explore with you what it is that they believe, what it is it that they teach, what is it they find so compelling. Uh, don't judge. Don't criticize. You know, the more you condemn the group, you'll be playing right into the uh, the leadership of this group because they're going to be telling your loved one that uh, that that you're going to be responding this way that that you that they should expect it that the more you push away from them or judge them or criticize them, this will be a sign for them uh, that they are on the right path because you are condemning them and they'll use passages passages of scripture that talk about you know that if there's condemnation then you know blessings on you that you are on the right path so don't judge don't criticize here's an interesting one ask to attend a service with them you know ask to meet with the church leadership keep asking questions Ask them to share their beliefs. You know, attending with somebody, you know, that's kind of a real uh, eye-opener for you to see exactly what's going on inside this organization. You know, don't be afraid to contact local police if you have any suspicion suspicion that the group is doing anything illegal, such as uh, kidnapping, such as mind abuse, such as animal or human sacrifice. Don't be shocked by this. Some cults practice animal sacrifice, and they uh, sometimes practice, you know, uh, faux human sacrifice, uh, stabbing uh, dolls or mannequins. Um, That might not necessarily be illegal, but it's still something to be reported so that police can have a heads up on this organization. You know, spiritually abuse, spiritual abuse is real. It is alive. It is active out there in the world, out in their spiritual world and the religious world. And you know, I don't believe God wants you to be spiritually abused. I do not believe that God wants your family members to be spiritually abused or your friends or your children. God wants you to have a spiritually healthy, joyful life. If you're being spiritually abused, leave. I've said it before in this podcast. I'm saying it again. Leave. Get out. Go. Go someplace where they celebrate joy, happiness, fun, great community, and the love of God. All right, that's my podcast for today. Uh, thank you for joining me. You know, you can read my blog, Cowboy Jesus. I just uh, wrote a blog earlier this week uh, about my response to the shootings at uh, the STEM school in Highlands Ranch, so you can pick that up. I usually publish Cowboy Jesus at the end of the week on either Friday or Saturday. So this is usually at the, the podcast is at the beginning of the week and Cowboy Jesus at the is at the end of the week. You know, I'm coming out with my new book, The Jesus Path. I'm going to be releasing that uh, chapter by chapter here pretty soon um, on my uh, blog. And hopefully it'll be ready for publication, The Jesus Path, uh, later uh, this summer. All right. Thanks for listening. Take care. No spiritual abuse. We'll see you. Bye.